It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 28th of January. The Jazz run into the Rockets, and it looks ever so similar to what we've seen before. We'll break it down, try to understand why, and find out if it's replicable by other teams. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers and hopefully making it way more fun to be a Jazz fan. We've got our Tuesday edition, so we'll go Time Machine Tuesday at the end today. I've got the little box ready, all the little numbers in it. We'll pull out, see what we get, and be able to break that uh, down for you. Uh, all right, um, so strange night yesterday and strange day yesterday with all of the Kobe impact. The shoot-around was very sullen. Uh they got some energy kind of by the end of the shoot around. There was there was a little bit more juice, uh, but it was just, it was strange. Um, I think there was only so much concentration that could possibly be done in that setting. Uh, and in some extent, and this is I just think this is factual. I do think that the Rockets had a a minor advantage in that they played a game. They'd been through it. They they got the the tough task of playing forty five minutes after the news broke. Our guys didn't do that. There's, there was just been, in the NBA world, there's just been a tremendous cloud. Um, and, and it's, you know, this was these guys, um, Michael Jordan, if you're in my generation. Uh, and so it's, you know, I thought Steve Kerr said it well. It's probably the saddest day in the history of the NBA. So there's certainly, that had an impact on last night's game. With that said... If there weren't so many similarities to what we've seen in the past when the Jazz and the Rockets played, it'd be easier to say, well, certainly uh, the this was a case of, of the Kobe um, tragic death having an impact. But there were numerous similarities to what's happened over the last few years when the Jazz and the Rockets have played. So without, and actually there are some kind of good signs in it too, I'll show you here at the end. So without ignoring that there was a pale over the team and the arena and and it was just a strange overall event and the Jazz never got a rhythm, let's, let's assume, let's move forward at this point, kind of analyzing it as though that, didn't necessarily exist. What we saw, interestingly enough, was something that was somewhat similar to all of the kind of struggles that we've had with the uh, Rockets in the past. The Jazz played their 33rd best offensive game of the year, and I would guess if we eliminated the fourth quarter, it would be a little less. They had the 37th ranked defensive night of the year. So they weren't terrible and as we dig into it there's some interesting things that are going to that you're suddenly going to see that makes you actually go oh maybe we actually 
are better suited to play the Rockets. Now, the Rockets didn't have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, or Clint Capella, so it seems stunning that you would lose. And yet, at the same time, there's some aspects to which maybe not having Clint Capella at times was helpful to them and not having uh, Russell Westbrook or James Harden, hard to believe, could have been at times helpful to them. Maybe not entirely. So let's start on the offensive end where the Jazz had their their worst offensive game that they've had since Jordan Clarkson joined the team. And the last time they had a game that poor offensively was at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder on December 9th, which was the last time they lost a game at home. The Rockets switch defensively. And when they didn't have Clint Capella on the floor, it allowed them to switch what's called one through five. So point guard through center, no matter who's involved in the picking action, the Rockets switch it. Well, we run the most picks of anyone in the NBA at over 90 a game. But now when we run a pick and they switch it and they're similarly sized starting a lineup last night of of Al, of Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon, Ben McLemore, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker, they're all 6'6 or below. There, there's not a lot of difference. We run, we're middle of the pack in off-ball screens, and we run the 10th most handoffs in the league. Okay? So, like, if you think about the fact that we are number one in drives, seemingly not having enough possessions to be number one in other things, but we're still middle of the pack in off-ball screens and we're top 10 in handoffs, you understand that we run more of this action than any team in the league. And so in turn, we are probably more adversely affected by a team that switches one through five. Interestingly enough, when Clint Capella plays, they don't switch one through five anymore. They switch one through four. Now, they may change that when they play us next, but they have changed their strategy to that. They went back to what their defense was a year ago or two years ago. So that has an impact on us. By switching everything, they're not leaving anyone, they're not coming with help, and then we have seemingly less three-point shots. In the playoffs last year, we went 47 of 179, and we shot 26% in five games against them in the playoffs. And last night, we went 12 of 43, and Donovan and Boyan were 10 of 23. The rest of the roster was 2 of 19. That's really similar to Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder, and the rest. It's pretty interesting to why that is. And I don't know. These offensive struggles against the Rockets are not new. Last year in the playoffs, our offensive ratings were 89, 95, 100, 110 in game four, and then back to 89 in game five. Last night, and in the regular season, 88, 99, 89, 88. Last night, interestingly, our offensive rating was a 104. So that was actually the second best offensive game we've had against the Rockets in our last 10 games we've played them. So that's maybe a better story than what we thought. But they completely take us out of what we do. In the month of January, we've been throwing the ball all around the gym with beautiful passing, and we've been averaging about 330 passes a game. We threw 257 last night. 
That takes us back down to, I believe, the second lowest number of passes we've thrown in a game since opening night when we only threw 230 against Oklahoma City. We were 6 of 24 on uncontested shots that didn't involve Boyan and Donovan. I mean, it's really interesting how similar this is. What? What are all the things we do great? Their screening act, their switching action takes us out of it. Rudy had just three screen assists. Our QSQ, quantified shot quality, the types of shots we get, was terrible last night. Might have been our worst of the year. 51.1%. But this is where things get a little interesting when analyzing last night's games. Okay. And that is that we shot the ball beautifully. Huh? Right. So we shot the ball beautifully last night. And what we didn't do is we did an offensive rebound and our turnovers were a little high. And that's actually, and we didn't get to the line as much as we might like. So if you look at our, QSQ last night, which is quantified shot quality. Last night, we our quantified shot quality was at 51.1. So it was actually kind of a middle-of-the-pack shooting game for us. Our effective field goal percentage last night was pretty good. We actually shot the ball at, I think, 57% last night. We've had better nights, but it's not a, it's not a terrible night at all for us. It's our 19th shooting night of the year out of 46 games. It's actually better than average. Well, we didn't make our shots that game, and so that was, that's well, actually it was our 18th best shooting game of the year. So despite the fact that everybody other than Boyan and Donovan missed, despite the fact that we have no screens, despite the fact that we don't get to do what we want to do, we actually shot the ball really well. It's a little daunting. To some extent, what happened here is we didn't do any of the other things well. So if you go look at rebounding rate, offensive rebounding rate, last night, 4%. You got to get some offensive. You can't live a night without offensive rebounds. You, you can tr- turnover rate last night. We were at 16%. 16% would place you 28th in the league. As I've talked about all year, you can't be bad at both those things at the same time. Free throw rate last night. We 31% free throw rate to our field goal rate. That's actually what had been best in the NBA. Theirs was absurd at 67%. Or 61%. So we got to the line enough. We turned the ball over too much, and we did an offensive rebound. That's actually the story. So for all of this other conversations, our isolation game, we don't play, well, we actually, our isolations average 1.22. Their switch game, we actually averaged 1.22 points against their switch. Our catch-and-shoot game wasn't great last night. We were 9 of 26, 35%, but only off by a little. Ingles was 1 of 6. Conley 0 for 2. Clarkson 0 for 3. But the truth is, the impact that actually happened last night with the switching and all the things that took place was 
We didn't offensive rebound at all. Rudy couldn't get the extra opportunities. And then because our natural passing game wasn't available, we started turning the ball over. And then we had a really bad dribble drive game playing one-on-one. And that's what cost us offensively. The good news is we actually shot it well against them and we got half-decent shots against them and we actually beat their switches and beat some of their other stuff. So we actually took some progress and had our best second-best offensive game in 10 games against them. We need to be better. I'd rather not play them in the playoffs, but it's at least some signs. Now, defensively, what happened, we'll talk about as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai is located in three locations for you. Logan, Linden, and 4646 South State Street. I'm driving the Palisade right now. I remember a few weeks ago, I got an um, email from one of my buddies or a text who's kind of a, into the... He's like, dude, you got to make sure that Hyundai lets you drive that Palisade. It's incredible. It is. It's fabulous. Has eight seats if needed. If you don't have eight seats, then it's got great space inside. Hyundai does a wonderful job with all the safety features. I've got the... Uh, automatic cruise control, which keeps my space distance. I've got the self-driving to keep me inside the lanes. Uh, I've got the back door that won't open if a car's coming. All of those different features, absolutely fabulous uh, elements to what kind of the Palisade brings. Looks nice, drives beautifully. Uh, you got to get used to the fact that it keeps you in your lanes and keeps you comfortable the whole time. It feels like it's fighting you a little bit because it's actually driving better than you can. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. Uh, I know one of our lockdown listeners, Spencer, just got him put a deposit down on one over at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're going to stop by to see Murdoch Hyundai, email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set it up so you have a meeting right there. You know who to ask for. Expedite the process and give you that VIP treatment you deserve by being a lockdown listener. We will also uh, make sure that... Uh, you're everyone's treated uh, perfectly our service experiences at Murdoch have been great as well we bought the Santa Fe from them in the past and have been able to uh, have wonderful service experience with them on any needs we have with our Santa Fe the Palisade is the big one the Tucson the Santa Fe and the little Kona zipping around the Elantra is the new Elantra is fabulous also check that out with the Sonata it's all at Murdoch Hyundai Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So defensively... We could not stay in front of the Rockets' drive game. And that has, you know, defensively, we allowed a 117 last year, 114 in the playoffs. Then we zeroed in. We got it down to 99, 94, 
and a 101. By the end of that playoff series, we had actually stopped and slowed down the Rockets and Harden and everything about it. Last night was back up to 111. One of the questions, you know, for us in this stretch that I've been most interested in as we play better teams, we're playing offensive teams, not defensive teams, is can our defense hold up? Last night was not great. It was our 37th defensive performance of the year. We didn't hold up really against New Orleans either. We weren't great against Washington. Like there's some real, there's some legitimate concern about where we are defensively. We were brilliant in the last three quarters against Dallas, which alleviated that concern. We were brilliant against Indiana, but that stretched floor last night really caused us problems. Eric Gordon, Joe Ingles was not a great matchup for us. Eric Gordon got by it. And interestingly enough, Houston found a way to pull Rudy Gobert out of the middle of the lane in a way that Dallas wasn't able to. And uh, Ron Boone and I actually are going to watch the game tonight, today on the plane to San Antonio, to try to see what's going on with that. I'm not sure why that is. You would think that Maxi Kleber and um, Chris Dapps Przingis would have been able to bring Rudy Gobert out of the lane and cause more problems than the Houston Rockets with P.J. Tucker and everyone else. But if you look at it, actually, that starting lineup last night of, and I said it the minute I saw that starting lineup. I was talking to Craig Ackerman, the TV voice of the Rockets. I was like, I don't like this for the Jazz. Rivers, Gordon, McLemore, and House with P.J. Tucker. Their offensive rating last night was a 133. So that means they scored 1.33 points per possession. League average is 1.1. Then they went to these crazy lineups and included Tabo Cephalosha as the center. Those actually worked. They were at 1.31. Tabo just sat at the top of the key and shot threes, not particularly well, but enough that it stretched us out and we had to kind of make a choice of whether or not we were going to guard Tabo or try to guard the driver. And we just got caught in between all night long. And I'm not entirely sure why it was why they were able to have that impact uh, in a way that we didn't, or that Dallas didn't. Um, they, they ran a bunch of screens for every time their big rolled, they popped. So they were running equal amount of, you know, pops versus rolls and made it really um, a difficult defensive matchup for the Jazz last night. I don't know whether or not that's something that, You know, that's replicable. That's actually worth keeping an eye on. They were 7 of 18 on catch and shoot. And the reason I mention that is here's a team in the Rockets that shoot, you know, 50% of their shots as threes, and yet they only got 18 catch and shoots last night. So in a lot of ways, what we did defensively last night was pretty good. We said, we're not going to let you take your threes. They ended up taking, still taking 40, which is incredible. They shot 38%, but of their 40, 22 of them came on off-the-bounce threes instead of catch-and-shoot threes. Because we hung on to the shooters, made them, and they became drivers, but then we couldn't stop the drives, which usually Rudy can. So that, you know, in some sense, what we kind of tried to do defensively worked fairly well. The Rockets usually get 25 catch-and-shoot threes a game, and they only got 18. So we negated part of their game, but we didn't 
on the drive game, we just didn't do enough. We just just could not shut them down. They usually, we lead the league in, in shots off drives. They don't. They're, they drive about 21% of the time. Excuse me, they drive and take about 21 shots a game off drives. Last night, they took 28. So And then took 12 free throws off them. So even probably more. So we, we forced them out of their natural game, and then their natural game was better than what we could do. Interestingly enough. So here's the big question before we go to Time Machine Tuesday. Is this replicable? From an offensive standpoint, I'm actually not sure. So how many, or from a defensive standpoint, excuse me, how many teams that we could see in the playoffs can switch one through five? The Lakers can't. Clippers with Montrez might be able to a little bit. But you can always go find Lou Williams if he's on the floor. Denver can't because of Jokic. Dallas really can't. Houston Houston can if Clint Capella's not on the floor. Which will be really interesting when we play them next week and Capella's healthy, whether they do that. Thunder can't because they have Steven Adams. Memphis could with Jaron Jackson Jr. Spurs can't because LaMarcus Aldridge can't. They could try it, but I don't think it'll work. Blazers cannot with Hassan Whiteside. So... It's actually interesting that last night, because Capella was hurt, they were able to play a defensive style that they don't usually play. And I'm not actually sure this is entirely replicable if James Harden is on the floor, because then we just go get James Harden and drive at him all night. The Rockets were also doing something defensively where whenever we drove and beat their guy, they brought somebody else over and we didn't find the other shooter as well as we usually do. I would think that if they tried this again and we have another day of film to watch it, we're going to find that shooter the way we usually do. But we didn't find it last night with regularity. And that led to some of the turnovers. The others were just dribbling problems. So on a defensive end, can other teams just switch us one through five? Maybe for portions of the game. But Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee are not switching one through five. The Clippers are not with Zubak, maybe with Montrez Harrell, but I don't think so. Jokic, they can't. Chris Tapps, they can't. They could with Maxi Kleber as their center. So Dallas could one through five, and they probably have some mismatches in there. That wouldn't be great for them. Thunder can't. Memphis, maybe. Then the other side is, can teams just play pick and pop instead of pick and roll on us and cause us a huge amount of problems offensively? The Lakers can if Anthony Davis is the center, But Anthony Davis is not a very good shooter. So I'm not sure that the Jazz would hate that. The the Clippers cannot. The Nuggets sort of can, but it's not their game. They don't play a pick-and-roll game. They play off Jokic in the post. Gobert guards him. They lift Rudy a little bit, but Rudy's done a pretty good job of affecting Jokic's three-point shooting, so they can't really. Dallas can. It's absolutely what they do. 100%. We saw the Jazz defend it very well. I'm not sure entirely why we were able to defend it better than the Rockets. Thunder cannot. Memphis can with Jaron Jackson Jr. if he plays the center. But with Jonas Valanciunas, they cannot. And Jonas Valanciunas plays Rudy Gobert about as well as anyone. Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge gets interesting. LaMarcus Aldridge has started to shoot the three. And it has changed who the the Spurs are offensively. So maybe they can. Blazers cannot. So, oh my gosh, someone just wrote the path on how to defend the Jazz? Probably not true. 
because you have to have the personnel to be able to do it, and the Rockets are uniquely a terrible matchup for us. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie is is out there for you as a real estate agent trying to change the way the real estate world works. So for all these years... Real estate agents have been getting paid a commission on sales and the prices of houses have continued to go and go and go. So the guys at Homie who started uh, out of BYU's uh, business school and had a uh, property management company called Entrada, which they did a wonderful job with. They wanted to look for another industry in which they could kind of change things. And they looked at the real estate market and said, well, why are we still doing things the same way? Why don't, we, why don't we change the way we do this? So you text Homie by texting LOCK to 88588. We'll connect you with a homey agent. You'll get your dream home, tours, make offers, negotiate the best deals, and then work to get you $5,000 back on the back end. Because right now, when you buy a home, you pay for your home is used to pay the seller, their agent, whatever agent you choose to hire. It's your money that pays both agents, and homey is saying, we're not going to do it that way. So they're working to return you $5,000 back. It's simple to get started with homey. Just find your home. By texting LOCK to L-O-C-K-E to 88588. An experienced local homie agent will help you every step of the way. Remember, you can buy with homie and save thousands because homies got your back. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E to 88588. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. It is Time Machine Tuesday. Got the box. Got the numbers. Eyes are closed just for the drama of it all. Pull out a number. Got three pieces. They got one piece of paper. And our number is 2008. 2008. Let's see what we find for the 0708 season of the Utah Jazz on this day. 0708. Let's dun 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 All right, January 28th, 2008. By the way, happy anniversary to my wife. The Jazz played the San Antonio Spurs in January of 2008. 
They would win their fifth straight with a 97-91 win the night before on the 27th. Yesterday, they beat the Houston Rockets 97-98 at Houston to win their fourth straight. NBA scheduling was at its finest. The Jazz would play in Houston on the 27th and home on the 28th. In the win over the Rockets, Andre Karolinko had 17 points. Darren Williams had 17 points, 12 assists. Carlos Boozer had 13. Kyle Korver came off the bench for 17. Matt Harpering had 10. This is this roster that was so good. This 08 team is so good. Listen to this lineup. Darren Williams, Ronnie Brewer. That leaves a little to be desired with shooting. Andre Karolinko, Carlos Boozer, and Mehmet Okor. With Kyle Korver, Matt Harpring, Paul Millsap, Ronnie Price, and C.J. Miles off the bench. Man. That beat a Rockets team that was Rafer Alston, Tracy McGrady, Shane Battier, Louis Scola, and Chuck Hayes. And crushed them in a slow-paced, methodical game, 97-89. to And then, impressively... They jumped on a plane and played at home the next day against the San Antonio Spurs and beat them. The Jazz would go on to win 10 straight and open the year 32-18. and 18. Man, this team was good. The Jazz would beat a Spurs team 97-91. The, I, remember, I was back doing, uh, Hot Rod was still calling the games. Boozer had 23. Karolinka went 9 of 10, had 23 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals. Memo had 11. Darren did not have a great night shooting. He was 3 of 12, but he had 11 points, 14 rebounds, 5, 14 assists, 5 rebounds, 4 steals. Corver came off the bench with 8. Harpering had 4. Jaron Collins played that night. Ronnie Price came off the bench for 6 minutes. Darren and Boozer played 41 minutes. The Spurs roster was Tony Parker, of course. Michael Finley, Bruce Bowen, Tim Duncan, and Fabrico Alberto. Three-point shooting in that game. This was in 08. This is 12 years ago. The Spurs went 4 of 16. The Jazz went 5 of 14 for your three-point shooting. Memo took 5. Kyle took 5. Nobody else was basically allowed to shoot him. No, Darren went 0 for 1. Kind of crazy. But the Jazz would pull that off and win it. That team was so good. The Jazz would at one point get as many as 16 games above 500 that year at 36 and 20. And then I think injury struck and they just didn't vibe and there were all sorts of things. And they'd finished at 54 and 28, beat the Rockets in the first round series and then ran into Kobe and the Lakers in the second round. They, if you remember, they lost, they, they lost the first two of that series in L.A., then won the next two at home, went to L.A., lost 111-104, and then lost, I think, Wesley Matthews, if I remember. No, Wesley Matthews wasn't on the team then. Who was it? Someone missed a three at the end of that game six. 108-105. We lost game six, and the season came to an end. We were really good. Boy, you wonder. That was a that was a good basketball team. Memo missed a three with four seconds left that would have tied it in game six. Offensive rebound, Darren back out. Darren misses a three as well. Boy, those were some great games.
Those would be fun to go back and watch. That is Time Machine Tuesday. As the Jazz, by the way, in that game six, I remember this, in that game six, 108-105 loss to the Lakers at home, um, we roared back. We trailed, <clears throat> I think, by 10 going in the fourth. We we never led in that entire game. Memo had a shot to tie it. I think it would have been like the first tie of the game. The, the Lakers actually led that game every second the entire way. Memo shot to tie it at the end of force overtime. Would have been the first tie. We never led. Crazy. All right. That is Locked on Jazz today. Hope you have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. Super appreciate you. Uh, it is a Tuesday, so uh, Hollinger and Duncan came out on Sunday. You can listen to that. Rejecting the Screen did a really good retro of two Philly guys on Kobe, and our regular Locked in NBA show is up and available. Plus, if you're a fantasy basketball player, we have the number one fantasy basketball show in the land in Josh Lloyd. So why don't you tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Fantasy Basketball? Have a great one. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.